Many of you have had opportunities to talk and to get to know my wife and I, and we have greatly, greatly enjoyed our time here so far. Many of you have thought maybe we were slightly crazy to move out here. Eh, The jury might still be out on that one, but uh, we love it. We truly do. We enjoy the opportunities that we've had to talk and to share and to fellowship with so many of you at summer fellowships and to go out to different places with some of you. And we're still in the process of making sure we get to see everybody. So if we haven't seen you yet, we haven't forgotten, don't worry. It's our, it's our joy to be a part of this community. Well, I want to tell you a little bit more of our story when I went to the Mountain View Alliance Church, I just graduated, graduated from Lancaster Bible College. I'd been at Lancaster Bible for four years, and I had this nice little degree that was a bachelor's degree that said, I guess I could go and do ministry. It's not really that easy, but they kind of think it is sometimes along the way. And I showed up in my first church, which was the Mountain View Alliance Church in Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania, and I was ready to go for it. Whatever they put in front of me, I was going to do. And I realized very quickly that it wasn't that easy. But there was one bright spot along the way. See, I was the teacher of the college and career class. So I had about five or six people that were in the class with me. And as a good teacher, you learn these principles. As you are teaching, you make eye contact with people, just like I'm doing this morning. Every time I made eye contact around that room, you'll never guess who wouldn't look at me. Yeah, you figured it out. Laura. She wouldn't make eye contact with me. She thought this wasn't obvious. Now, you know that if you are in a class of only six people, and one of those is a teacher, and you are the only one not making eye contact, it's pretty obvious. So this went on for about four or five months, and we had different activities. We would go bowling as college and career. We would go out and do different kinds of fun and crazy stuff. And and finally, I jokingly say, and we jokingly refer that it took two hay rides for us to start to talk and to become closer friends. So we went out, and the second hay ride was a church event. The church had a big festival that they had where we went through a cornfield. And at the end of the cornfield, everybody piled into a hay wagon, and we went around, and she and I got talking about our passions for missions. She had been in Kenya at that at once already, and she was planning another trip to go to Kenya. Ultimately, it would be canceled due to violence in Africa at the time. I had been in overseas in both Thailand and in Africa, both in Burkina Faso and Senegal in Africa. And so we began to talk about what it was we were passionate about missions. And it gave for us an opportunity to get to know one another. That evening, our college and career sitting around together, and we decided we're going to go out for ice cream afterwards. So there's about five of us that are there. Her, me, her sister, one of our friends, and someone else. The three of them leave, and Laura and I are still there. Somehow or another, I was the one who was giving her a ride again. Don't know how that happened every time. And we decided to ditch all three of them and go off by ourselves. Well, to this day, her sister has never let that one down, that we did not go there. 
But she and I had an opportunity, Laura and I had this opportunity to talk about what it would mean about going forward. And so the next day we started dating. And for us, that was a process of getting to know one another. We dated for about a year and a bit. We started dating in uh, uh, October-ish, end of October-ish. And we started dating all the way up until the following year. And I had planned this great idea. We went down a year later for Thanksgiving to be with my family. And we were walking through a mall. And I started looking at these rings for her. And I said, wouldn't it be great if we started to think about going further. So we went in, the two of us, kind of looking around, and we didn't do anything, and she left, and I went in, unbeknownst to her, and bought for her the ring I was going to give to her. And I bought that ring, and I carried it with me as quietly as I could, all the way back to Williamsport, which is where I was living at the time, got it sent out to have it sized properly, sent it back to me, and in December... Uh, the t- uh, we were walking on Christmas Canyon Lane, which is in Williamsport. It's a set of uh, lighted houses that run along up there. And I proposed to her. And I said, you and I, we're to be together. And we want to embark on this journey. We want to be a part of what God has for us. And so we embarked on this journey together. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for what you have done in our lives. Lord, you have worked in so many ways, both in my life and in Laura's life. And Lord, we thank you for all you're continuing to do. Lord, work in each and every one of us as we continue to follow after you. Lord, the desires of my heart in that moment were to be with Laura for the rest of my life. But Lord, the truest desire of my heart is to have relationship with you. And Lord, as we talk about that this morning, Lord, make it a part of who we are that we'll think about you in everything we do and we say. And in your name we pray. Amen. How many of you remember, or maybe you've seen, that old Uncle Sam logo, where Uncle Sam, it's a big blown up picture of his head, and he's pointing his finger out. How many of you have seen that, remember that? I won't ask how many of you were alive during that era. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, At the bottom of that text was often the phrase, I want you. The idea being that each and every person had an effort or a role in the war effort. Each and every person had something they could contribute. I want you. That slogan has stuck for many, 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 many generations in many years, because it built within us an idea that we can all participate, 
just because I wasn't the guy who was going to Europe to fight, or just because I wasn't the guy who was building the tank in the shop, or I wasn't the guy who was doing this, or the girl who was doing that, or everybody had a part in the war effort. I want you. Do you know that God is sitting up in heaven? And in my mind, I picture him on that poster. And he says, I want you. I want you to be in deeper relationship with me. I want you to commit your life to what I have for it. I want you to be a participant in what I have. And so that's the idea behind what we're going to talk about this morning. If you have your Bible here with you this morning, we're going to be in a couple of different places, so you may not want to flip to all the options. But one of the places we're going to start and kind of mainly focus on is Psalm 63. Psalm 63. Psalm 63 says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied, as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of the liars will be silenced. I seek you. God in heaven is saying, I want you. But more than that, he's saying, I want you to desire me. So I turn that phrase around and I say, who do I desire? In that moment in Williamsport, when I'm standing at the end of the Christmas candy lane, I'm reaching in my pocket and this stupid ring box Man, if you've ever tried to open a ring box in your pocket, it is not easy. I thought that I had made it easier for myself. I took it out of this stupid cardboard box. So all I had was a little felt box, and it was in my pocket. And I figured if it was upside down, I could slip my finger in there and open that thing up. Well, I was nervous, as all things could ever be. So I could not get my finger into that box. So I'm standing at the final house on this Christmas candy lane. And she's looking at me going like, what are you doing? Why is your hand doing that? What are you doing? I'm reaching in my pocket. I'm going, come on, this stupid box. Open up just enough so I can get this ring out. And when I finally got that ring out, 
And I realized that what I was about to do was to change my future forever. I realized that who I was sharing the rest of my life with was someone who I wanted to be with. And so she was excited, very excited. If you've ever seen my wife excited, she gets very excited. She hugged me. We walked over to the car. I said, did you say yes? <laughs> she hadn't said anything other than scream and laugh and cry and hug me. Is that yes? Of course it's yes. Now we were on the phone and I'd gone and I had asked her parents in advance. So they already knew. So she's calling her parents and they're excited for her. I wanted to be in relationship with her. What is the desire of your heart? Is it to be in relationship with God? <coughs> what does relationship with God even mean? Maybe you're saying, yeah, I desire to be in relationship with God, but I don't even know that I could fully understand what that meant. I, I might understand what, an e like a little piece of what you're saying, but to desire a full relationship with God, that's kind of scary. There's some things that maybe I don't fully understand about that idea. David in this psalm, I think, lays out what it means to desire God. He seeks him. He thirsts for him. In a dry and weary land. My favorite verse in Psalm 63 is verse 3. It says, Because your love is better than life. There was one thing. That day in Williamsport, as I was proposing to Laura, that I knew. I knew she loved me. I knew that I loved her. And so my desire was to be with her. <clears throat> but when I seek God, his love is better than life. His love is something more than that earthly love that I had for Laura in that moment. As I sought, as I continue to seek God, I realized that more and more, his love for me is greater than I could ever imagine. <coughs> what do you desire? Is it relationship with Jesus? Is it a fuller and deeper life? Is it something more? So you might be asking me, so if, how, how do I seek God? 
You can turn your Bibles to Luke 11. Verses 9 through 13. I have one key word I want to give to you this morning from Luke 11. We already talked about seeking. Ask. If we are seeking and pursuing God, and all we need to do is ask, so you might be standing here this or sitting here this morning and going, Pastor, I'm, I'm not sure what <coughs> what the first step is. Ask, ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask for Christ to enter your life. Ask for more of His Holy Spirit to be filling you, to be indwelling you to be making you holy. One of the things that we love to talk about in the Christian Missionary Alliance is a deeper life. And the deeper life is, well, we could talk about that all day. But the deeper life is an idea and a concept that as we grow in spiritual maturity, we become more and more like Christ. How do we do that? By continuing to seek God and asking him to fill us more and more each day. Luke 11, verses 9 through 13 says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and, the one, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of, your fathers, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? On that evening that I was standing in Williamsport, I asked. I said, Laura, will you marry me? But every morning... When I get up, what is the first thing that should be on my lips? <coughs> we need to be asking for the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So that as we live out our lives, He lives through us. That He dwells in us and through us. It's not us that are doing the daily actions but it's him living in us and we are a witness to those who are around. You say, all right, so I, I know to ask. What do I ask for? And that might be the million dollar question. I say, ask for more of his Holy Spirit. I say, Ask for those things that he has for us in heaven. 
says in verse 13, If you then, though are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I heard a sermon preached, well, I, th- I think it was while we were at Risen King. And in it, pastor talked about this idea. If we know how to give good gifts to our sons and, and daughters and our family, and God is our Heavenly Father, wouldn't it be right to then assume that he has a treasure trove of gifts that he wants to give to us? And by gifts, I don't mean earthly things, and I don't mean by that that he has all these things that he has that if we just ask, he's going to give to us like that. I mean by that, that he has gifts like love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, kindness that he has stored in heaven for us. He has gifts of prophetic words. He has gifts of speaking in tongues. He has gifts of healing, teaching, preaching, administration, whatever it is that he wants to give to us. How do we get those gifts? Ask. All we have to do is ask. You look at me and you go, all right. I can ask, but how, how do I know that what I'm asking for is, is right? Or how do I know what, is even, what are even some things to start with? The Bible talks about some of the homework that, we're gonna, that I'm going to give to you for this week. You're going to read a little bit about that, about the desires of our heart. And asking for those things that the Father would have for us. Not that I would have for myself, but that the Father would have for us. See, there's a difference. When we live a life that is filled and indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and we ask for things, living our lives in that manner, and we're asking for things of the Father that He has for us, He'll pour them out. But, we're living in, but when we're living in selfish desires and when we're living in sinful ways, he's not going to give us those things that we ask for because he knows that they're sinful desires of our heart. But if we're pursuing him, if we're pursuing Christ, and if we're living in the Holy Spirit and we say, Holy Father, I ask that you give to me a prophetic word. Or Holy Spirit, I ask that you give to me the ability to teach this morning. The Heavenly Father says, of course, my child, I have these good gifts for this purpose, exactly. And so he gives. All we need to do is seek his face and ask. And as we seek his face and we ask and we're living with our lives, being indwelt with the Holy Spirit, and we're walking in what he has for us, he will pour out in a fresh and a new way each and every day. One of the models that I was taught at Risen King of praying for people, and even at seminary, is the model of 
seeking, asking, and listening. And so I want to teach you that model this morning. Seek the Lord in everything you do and you say. You go, Pastor John, my breakfast decision in the morning between cornflakes and frosted flakes, do I really need to seek the Lord? All right, if we're going to get that literal, yes. Seek the Lord in everything you do and you say. Every decision that you make should be sought of and sought with the Lord. And as you seek him, he will reveal his Holy Spirit. And you'll get to a point where, of course, you can come to me and say, Pastor John, cornflakes are frosted flakes. I'm not sure what the Holy Spirit is telling me. I'm going to say, the Holy Spirit doesn't really care. I like frosted flakes and cornflakes. He's not telling me either. But when you come to that decision that says, Holy Spirit, should I quit my job and trust in you to go into ministry? Should I lay down what I love to follow your name? You have to start small. Seek the Lord. Ask. Ask. Ask the Lord that when you are seeking him, he would continue to fill you. They gave us this model. Think of a coffee cup. Pastor Jerry always has his coffee cup up here. I've not got that addiction yet, so I have my water up here. Think of a coffee cup that is full. Except that that coffee in there has been sitting for a very, very, very long time. And it's very, very, very hard. And that is your life. And you ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you. What happens in that coffee cup? Nothing. As you pour into that coffee cup, the coffee's just going to flow right over the top. And that junk that is sitting in the bottom of that coffee cup will stay. So we taught this model at Riz, at at both Alliance Theological Seminary and at Risen King. Take that coffee cup and ask the Holy Spirit to cleanse it first. Ask the Holy Spirit to literally take that life, your life, empty it out, clean it out, and prepare you for a fresh filling. People always come to me and say, Pastor John, I'm not feeling a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit this week, or I'm not feeling it right now. I said, all right, what's the garbage in your life that you need to clean out first? If the Holy Spirit's going to fill your life and there's garbage there, there's only so much that the Holy Spirit can fill. But if you pour out that garbage and you empty out that junk and you lift an empty coffee cup, it can be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And as you're filled, then you can go out. So as we would pray with people, the model that we were taught was seek, pray, listen. Or seek, ask, and listen. When your cup is filled with the Holy Spirit, listen to what he has to say. When we would pray with people, we would ask them to come forward and we would have an opportunity to, to hear what was going on in their lives. 
oftentimes people would come up and have different things that were going on and we would get through. Are you seeking God? Is your life empty of all the garbage? Have you been cleansed? Now, let's pray together and hear what the Holy Spirit has for you. I find in my life it is really, really hard, if not impossible, to hear the Holy Spirit with all that garbage going on. But if I cleanse out that coffee cup and I am able to fill it and listen and hear what the Holy Spirit says as he fills that coffee cup with his presence and he fills my life with his presence, then I can hear what he says. God's desire is not to, as it says here in Luke 11, to give you the stone or the snake or the scorpion, but rather to give you the good gifts. If we seek his face, he will give us the good gifts. I'm not sure if you have that slide up there ready for the homework. We'll put, if it's ready, you can put it up there whenever you're ready. I'm encouraging you, as you go through the homework this week, to use this model to prayerfully consider what God is doing in your life. What are the desires that you have within you? Some of these passages are going to talk about some of the passions of our heart. One of these passages is one, one we talked about here, Psalm 63. Other of these are, past, are, are passages that are going to talk about Paul. Paul says, I desire sometimes what I don't want to desire, and what I do want to desire, I don't do. And so it's a, a caution for us to be mindful of what it is that we're desiring. And I want to challenge you this week, as you go through these passages, to think about using that model as you go through these passages. Before you start, pray, seek, ask. Lord, how have you spoken in my life this week? Well, Laura and I got engaged in December. And it was right before Christmas Eve. And so we went back. It was because of how the calendar fell that year. When we got engaged, it was on a Monday night. Christmas Eve was the next service in the middle of that week. So we went, as the associate pastor there, much like here, you tend to arrive for things decently early. Well, I talked to the senior pastor in advance, and he knew we had gotten engaged. And I said to him, we're going to come late so that we don't have to tell each and every single person we can make one announcement. He said, all right, that's fine. So we snuck in the Christmas Eve service two minutes before the Christmas Eve service started. And I said to Laura, you have to have your hands like this so no one can see that you've got this ring on because we're not playing any favorites at all. So we sneak in the back. She's holding my hand. And the person who's sitting beside us goes, Oh, what have you got on your hand? I said, shh, don't tell anyone. In the middle of the service, I knew I had a part. And 
I knew that in that part, he had, the pastor had told me, make sure that you have an opportunity to announce what is going on. So we announced. We said, we have decided we're getting engaged. And the people were so excited. The other part of the story was, two weeks later, the church already knew this, two weeks later I left to be the senior pastor at Oak Grove. And she came along. (laughs) So they were losing two of us. And we said to them on that evening, on Christmas Eve, we said, thank you for the influence that you've had on our lives. Laura had been attending that church for 16 years. I'd been there for a year and a half. And we invited that church to our wedding. That's a celebration with us. You go, how, how, Pastor John, I understood all of what you were saying, seeking, asking, listening. What, what, I want to give you one more word. Celebrate. Celebrate what God is doing. If you seek, you ask, you listen, that's great. That's you. That's fantastic. Maybe you've gone to another person and told them. But celebrate with those that are around. The Christian walk is not one that we do by ourselves. It's not one that you walk all alone. Celebrate it with those that are around you. Have an opportunity to celebrate what God is doing in your life. For those of you that uh, maybe need me to read the homework, it's uh, Monday, Psalm 63, Tuesday, Psalm 37, Wednesday, Psalm 34, Thursday, Luke 11, 9 through 13, Friday, Matthew 7, 7 through 11, and Saturday, John 17, 1 through 26. I want to challenge you as I close with these four words. Seek God. Ask that God would fill you. Listen. And then celebrate. Celebrate what God is doing in your life. Let me pray. Father, as you work in each and every one of our lives, you ask us to continue to seek you and to become more Christ-like in everything we do and we say. So Lord, may we seek you in a fresh and a new way this week, that we would become more like you in everything we do and we say. And that, Lord, as we seek you, you would reveal yourself to us in a fresh and a new way so that we will continue to pursue you with all that we have. Lord, the final step often is forgotten, but I think is often one of the most important to then celebrate what is going on. Lord, allow us to celebrate what you have done so that we can rejoice with our brothers and encourage one another in everything that we do and we say. Amen.